You are listening to Bicycle Retail Radio, brought to you by the National Bicycle Dealers Association. Welcome to another episode of Bicycle Retail Radio, brought to you by the National Bicycle Dealers Association. Thank you for listening. If you're a first-time listener, be sure to check out the previous episodes. Please do us a favor and leave a review. It helps members of our industry find our podcast. Today's guests are Allison and Chris Palmer, owners of Mystic Cycle Center, located in Mystic, Connecticut. Mystic Cycle Center opened its doors in 1992. Chris and Allison purchased the store in 2020. A Bicycle Retailer Excellence Award platinum-winning shop, one of just seven across North America, with a tradition of being a strong community partner, helping local residents to grow as individuals, and serving as contributing members of the small, close-knit communities around Mystic. We are looking forward to learning more about Allison and Chris, their journey to opening a shop, their day-to-day operations, how they split, divide, and conquer the day-to-day excellence that Mystic Cycle Center is. So welcome, Allison and Chris, to Bicycle Retail Radio. How are you? Uh, we are good, Heather. Thanks for having us. Oh, my God. I'm so looking forward to just getting into this with you both. It was great to see you at the Big Gear Show back in August. Time has just flown by. What have you been up to since the Big Gear Show? I know. Um, it did fly by. It's hard to believe that uh, that was as long as that was it was. Things have been good. We're still busy with similar challenges in the industry that every bike shop has been dealing but. We feel like we've got a little bit of a breather um, recently, which was welcomed not only by us, but also by our team. Yeah, it's just like we've been just thrown all these challenges for the past, you know, 18, 20 months. And we've just been reacting, reacting, reacting. It's nice to now have a little breather, like you said. Man, I just want to give you a huge congrats on the Bicycle Retailer Excellence Platinum Level Award. Very awesome. (laughs) Uh, thank you so much. We were really stoked and our team was beyond excited and honestly just so surprised when when uh, we heard the news. I mean, you working the last year and a half in the bike industry has has been uh, a task in and of itself. And to be recognized like that, our, our team was just beyond pumped. It was really cool to celebrate with the retailers who came out to the Big Gear Show. And I mean, I, we got to hang out, you know, the three of us got to hang out. But yeah, that is a part that we don't see at the NBDA is just how your staff and community reacted. Did your community, did you let your community know as well? Did you post on your social feeds? Yeah, we did. And actually they were really supportive. They were super excited for us, you know, following the award they came in, they were congratulating us and we're just, yeah, a lot of them tuned into the video on the live feed. That was really cool just to like feel that excitement within the community as well. That is one thing that stood out about your application. You know, when we judged all the retailers, you know, over 200 retailers who applied for this award, we didn't, we weren't looking at the shop name. We were specifically just looking at the answers and grading, you know, without knowing what shop was which. But your application just stood out because of all the things you do in your community. And I, I want to get into that a little bit later here in the podcast. But this is the first time I've brought a husband and wife couple on to Bicycle Retail Radio. And it's such a dynamic couple. I know I introduced you to a bunch of our board members while we were out at the Big Gear Show. And you just like, it was awesome watching you meet everyone. And just, I think everyone is just blown away by how much energy the two of you have. Could you share with us your background and how you came to open a shop together? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it was honestly the career 
change that I never saw coming. So my background, I got my business degree at Nichols College, and I focused on marketing and communications. So for the last decade, that was what I did. And, you know, we knew that there was an opportunity for Chris to maybe eventually own the shop, but we always thought of it as something that I would do part-time, like I'd still keep my full-time job and then I would help on the side and especially focused on marketing for the business. But we we always talk about these dinner table conversations that we had leading up to deciding to take over the shop. And Chris sat me down one night as we were eating and he just said, look, I really think I'm going to need like a right-hand person. You know, what are your thoughts? Do you think that'd be something you're interested in? And I was not, I was not agreeable. Like from the get-go, it took me a little bit of warming up at first because it's scary to think about being a husband and wife, but then also working together 24-7. And I knew that was taking a huge risk not only professionally, but personally too. So we had a few more of those dinner table conversations and I finally decided, you know what, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to take take a leap of faith. And so, yeah, here we are now. I mean, just another like scary part of that was just, if, I mean, we're, we're both making a salary or a wage, but the fact that it's both tied to the same business and it's not, you know, we are paying each other. It's not like we're reporting to this big giant company. So if the bike industry turned like it very well could have, like a lot of other businesses did, you know, very beginning stages of COVID. It was, that was terrifying for us. You know, it was really, we're putting everything on the line and it was, those are heavy dinner table conversations. <laughs> um, you know, how I got into the shop was a little bit different than Allie. I went in for what we do, a yearly sale. We haven't done it in COVID times, but uh, we do a monster sale. And I walked in during the monster sale and I got a part-time job the next day because I thought it was a really cool shop. I, I was really impressed with the people that helped me that day and the energy coming out of the place. And the monster sale is just a, a huge event for us. And it's just so much fun because we have past and present employees and everyone's on deck and it's just a lot of a blast. So I was hooked early on, but probably about two plus years before we took over last year, the previous owners, Rick and Rob, which were huge mentors to me, kind of approached me and just said, you know, what are your plans? Because I put the bug here and there in their ear, you know, yeah, someday. And and they were ready. I was ready. And we made the switch. It took a little bit longer than we all wanted to because of, you know, the the PPP loans that delayed the bank loans and getting everything approved and pushed through the bank last year when everything was kind of changing on a day-to-day, hour-to-hour basis was was really tough. But it, it finally happened. 7-11, July 11th, we were open for business. Oh my gosh. There's so many different dynamics here that I'm thinking of. You know, you were, I think you were, you know, working at the shop and all these, all these conversations you're having on a personal level, you know, as you're you were just married, right? Like prior mm-hmm. to actually taking ownership too, right? It was all kind of at the same time. Is that I kind of did some research on you a little bit? <laughs> yeah, we got married in September. So we took over in July of 2020 and then we got married in September of 2020. So <laughs> We were crazy. <laughs> Why would you buy a business and a wedding in the same year and have COVID going on? I don't know, but why not though? Right? It's like sometimes like the greatest challenges bring us the 
biggest rewards. But I want to get into, you know, just how you're splitting it up as being a couple that owns the shop. But uh, just to rewind, how how did you guys get to Mystic? Did you grow up there? Is your family from the area? So Mystic is close to where we both grew up. We, we, grew, we both grew up. I grew up in North Stonington, Connecticut, and Chris grew up in Ashley, Rhode Island, which are bordering towns. And so I didn't spend a lot of time in Mystic growing up. I tended to go more to Rhode Island than the Connecticut side of things. But I don't know. Did you spend a lot of time in Mystic? No, not really. I remember growing up in Ashley and just, you know, a trip to downtown Westerly was like going to the city. It was uh, a big awakening the first time we actually went to a city like Boston or New York or anything like that. But we, we were both born at Westerly Hospital, which was kind of, you know, center town. But other than that, we grew up, you know, 5, 10, 15 minutes away. Yeah, even, like our house, <laughs> even our house now, we're, we're 10 minutes from the shop. We're actually right up the hill from Amos at Brumble Bikes. I was going to say, I know Westerly, Rhode Island. That's Amos. That's cool. Such a pretty area there. I love, I love Mystic. I love Mystic Pizza. I took the kids there <laughs> recently. So just, you know, interesting. You have purchased a shop that was previously owned by someone else. And we have spoke often of the mission vision. So, you know, when you're purchasing a shop, you've, you've worked, you've been working there, Chris, did, did the mission vision change or did you just adapt it slightly as you became owners or, or what did that look like? Yeah, I mean, I I always kind of, and this is before we, you know, talked about ownership. I just looked at the shop as like a like an old diesel machine, and like we had a really core good group of customers that followed us regularly. You know, had a lot of faith in us delivering a you know a good experience. But the last year and a half, we kind of we tried to give it a tune up, you know, and just really dialed is important to Allie and I. And we actually, about just a couple weeks ago, we, we finalized just our just our whole mission. And I'll let Allie kind of go on about that. So yeah, we actually, we did Trek World with the team, which is this great educational day that Trek puts on. And one of the things they always focus on is really solidifying that mission and vision. So the next day, we took a day as a group to just collaborate and talk ideas through. And we came up with our mission is betterment by bicycle. So basically that speaks to many different things. It's us always wanting to do our best for the customer. It's helping the customer achieve better, more healthy habits, maybe even growing a bond with a loved one who they may be participating in the sport with. It's also you know, fostering stronger relationships within the community, helping to make a better environment. So there are all these little things that we feel we can put into that. And we want to be so much more than just a bike shop and have our tentacles out and all of these different things. So we felt like that was a really good definition of what we stand for. It's definitely exemplified by what I what I read in your Bicycle Retail Excellence Award. And I love the fact that you just said that you involved your team in this, it's that is so critical because that's your culture, right? And I mean, I go to your social feeds, I go to your website, and I just, this is definitely Betterment by Bicycle comes across by everything that you're doing. So congratulations on that. And I like how you did shape it to, you know, you and Chris and what you see as the mission vision of the shop going forward. I'm just thinking of the two of you teaming up. 
And, you know, in my past marriage, I know there was like some, one of us had a certain strength and the other maybe didn't. So we, you know, (laughs) brought each other up. Did you know that each of you would have certain strengths in the business as you were going into it? I I think we knew, but it's just always a funny thing, the way it all plays out, because you can have one expectation and then it just goes entirely differently. On a day-to-day basis. (laughs) Yeah. And we knew like Chris has always been the numbers person and I'm the the person who could write you a novel. So we kind of knew like I'm more creative. He's more, you know, analytical. I'm also much more of an extrovert and she's an introvert. And that that really plays in our day-to-day roles as well. Yeah. And also what we enjoy in our day-to-day roles. (laughs) Yeah. And I think too with that, like we always had this agreement that he was going to be front end focused and I would be more back end focused. But it is funny how like certain tasks and projects kind of just find you. And that can also play into like your team members come to you for certain things. Like they'll come to me for certain things and they'll go to Chris for other things. Um, So that kind of helps to shape, I think, our roles as well. However you want to put it like good cop, bad cop or mom and dad or, you know, you, you figure out, you know, what your roles are almost by your team telling you what they are. Yeah, it must. I was going to ask if you like almost divide the shop test, but it seems like you kind of did, but it's just naturally dividing itself as you go along. Yeah, I mean, we definitely have like tasks that we each know the other is taken care of. Chris does all of the ordering, which then leads to also doing all of the receiving he is the one who, you know, works with our bookkeeper and accountant. And I will occasionally, but that's more of his thing. Whereas I've taken on more of like the human resource role, having involvement in the community with the advocacy groups, our website and marketing. So it definitely has defined itself in that way as well. Yeah, I'm imagining that you really can support each other at the end of the day, you can help talk each other. So both of you, like, even if you are doing the HR or the community work at the end of the day, you over dinner, you guys can connect and catch each other up. Right. So it keeps all these pieces moving together pretty seamlessly. Yeah. Yeah, it does. I mean, that's actually something that, you know, we might get into again too, but just Allie and I separating that work-life balance too. Like a lot of times we'll go in early to take care of certain things at the shop that we honestly, we could talk about at home, but you know, we're also a married, you know, newly, newly married couple. We've really tried to define those boundaries of like, all right, we're not talking about work right now. Let's go do something. You know? Oh my God. So um, important. Right. <laughs> yes. Oh yeah. Very much so. And it was, we lost, we lost a lot of that early on. Cause we're just like scrambling and every shop was, you know, and we did a new point of sale. We we're new owners and it was the week after 4th of July in the middle of COVID when we took over. So it took a while to get, you know, kind of caught up. And, you know, I think we have a team around us now that allows us to be, you know, concentrating on other things other than just scrambling. It's really starting to, we're feeling really good about where we're at a year later. Yeah. I just wonder, you know, talking about the roles and the dividing and conquering, did you, did you, could you both say that you realized all the different hats you would have to wear as a shop owner when you were going into it? I mean, there's just so much, right? I feel like just ordering, purchasing could be like a full-time job. <laughs> yeah. And I think, I mean, 
No, I I didn't. And I was I don't think there's anything that can really prepare you for ownership, never mind like this booming business in the middle of this worldwide pandemic. What I will say though is I feel kind of fortunate for us that we didn't know the previous way of doing business because we didn't have to relearn things. You know, Chris, yeah, he was at the shop and he knew the way the shop operated before, but he wasn't as involved in the back end of stuff. So going in and just knowing it as one way, I think kind of worked our advantage. Yeah, I mean, really with the ordering, I remember, you know, Rob was the you know, the order and the past ownership and he would, you know, sit down and do a preseason for three months ahead of time and everything would ship on September 1 and it'd be here for the fall and we'd have a full line of clothing. And, you know, now I'm ordering, you know, summer and fall stuff for next year, but I don't know any different. So it's not, you know, I, I we hear it all the time in the industry talking to other owners and, uh, you know, purchasers and whatnot is it, can you believe this? And I, I, I don't know any difference. So sure, I can believe it. You know, I mean, as for me with the hats, I, I did a lot of different stuff before ownership that I, I've said before, and I, I still feel this way. Is my job didn't really change. I just had no one to go to when I didn't feel like or didn't want to answer something. Right. You know, or like, oh, go ask Rick or Rob. You know, I, I'm not sure. You know, I, but now it bus stops at Alley and I, and it's that was, I guess, my my new our new hat you know such an awesome thing i never thought about that like you're just you don't know the prior way like you're just doing it how you know it's but i've definitely heard people be like how are we going to do it this way you're like i'm just doing it i had the opportunity to do a drive-by i actually got to park in your parking lot of your of your store and i think i texted you guys hey i'm out front the store was closed because there was a hurricane in town but it's just super impressive Main strip, you know, big building. So the shop is in the same build. Is that the same building it originally opened in back in 1992? It's actually not. So down the road a little ways, we used to say, oh, it's where Dunkin' Donuts is now, but Dunkin' Donuts is now closed. It was a car dealership before the bike shop. I'm not sure exactly what it was in between the car dealership and the bike shop. We were there until about 2006. And then the previous owners, Rick and Rob, had the building built as a shop, as a bike shop. And it it can be other things. You know, it's a very open, big space. So you can definitely do other things with the building. It's it's purpose built to be a bike shop. I didn't know that. And before we even started, you know, off camera earlier today, I think I told you guys, like, it's definitely you can tell it's a bike shop. And that totally makes sense now that you're saying it was specifically built for an intended use. That's really cool. I'm so happy that the paint on the front has stayed in really good condition. That's one thing that I really love. It's got bikes and snowboards and stuff because we used to do snowboards. But a local Mystic Middle School painted that years and years and years ago when when we had the building built. And it stayed in really good shape, even though it's sun-facing, nothing faded. So it just adds a little bit of character because it is a big square, you know, and we've, we've constantly fought that of like, you know, looking personable and... Being, you know, there's this certain appeal to that cool old school, tons of character bike shop. And I think for a while we had that in the old shop. And then when we moved, you know, and that was before my time, but it it was lost a little bit. And I really feel like we're coming back to it from just being in the space for a while now. 
Yeah. All right. So we have like totally built this up now and I can envision it because I've been there, but maybe would you do me a favor and describe the building and like the layout and the unique features? Because I know there's some extremely unique things going on inside, but just for our listeners who haven't seen the building, would you do me that favor? Yeah, of course. So you pull in right in, right in Mystic. We're fortunate to have 37 parking spots. I'm very fortunate for that because parking is very tough in Mystic. It's a two-story building. It's 10,000 square feet overall. Downstairs is our showroom, light duty shop, cash wrap area, as well as bicycle display, accessory display. We just uh, developed this new coffee corner for like mid-ride stops or anything like that. The coffee's complimentary. We've got tea, water, just a great spot to hang out. There's a little breakfast bar that borders uh, the downstairs shop as well as some beanbag throws that we threw in there just to kind of make it, you know, more of a destination, make it more of a destination, not to necessarily buy something, but just to come in and hang out and tell us about your ride or, you know, this epic ride you went on last week or whatever. So we're really excited about that. Side note, sorry. And then uh, to get upstairs, there's two ways. So we have a full stair set, but we also have an elevator, which makes it very very easy to get the bikes upstairs. You know, we joke around with customers all the time when they say, oh, you got an elevator, but we would be a lot more muscular if uh, we had to carry all the bikes up to up the, you know, 30 odd steps that are up to up to the top floor. But yeah, upstairs, we've got lockers, kitchen area for the staff, full shower and bathroom. And we've got Allie and I kind of have two offices, no walls, and it's a big open space up top. And then we've got storage for about 450 bikes, three mechanic stands upstairs, you know, great lighting so the mechanics can see and whatnot. It's an awesome space. We absolutely love it. Wow. Super impressive. And do you have an area for fit services or any kind of like group classes? Like do you do indoor spin classes or anything like that in the winter? Yeah, we do. We definitely have a uh, an ace fitter. His name is Sean. He uh, He's done everything from your local hybrid or e-bike all the way up to multi-podium placing Ironmen and Iron Women. You know, and he's a he's an ace at it. He's fit me to all my bikes uh, in the past seven or eight years and he's really good at what he does. He can do everything from basic all the way up, like I said, but he has a space downstairs. It's kind of near that coffee corner, you know, nice open space, a place where he can be, you know, talkative and intimate and be one-on-one with that customer and really kind of dial in with them. Spin classes, we do not, but we are doing winter Zwift rides as a group. You know, we don't have too much pull with Zwift, but we can uh, we can form private groups. So basically, we just send out an email. And if you want to be on that list, I friend you on Zwift and I send out the invites. What a nice area just for people to come and have a coffee or tea. Like even if they're not shopping for anything, just to come by and say hello to you. I mean, you guys must both be at the store almost every day, right? So I'm sure you have people just stopping in to say hi, right? Is that we do for sure. Yeah. And it's honestly that's something too that like it's been a little bit tricky with the former like culture that Chris has known. Like he's been known as the sales manager for so long. So people don't see him and they just think he's not there, but we're always upstairs and working on just like growing the business or whatever needs our direct attention. But certainly people come in and they ask, you know, hey, where's Chris? Or, you know, so. we, we get it fairly often is like, you know, oh, you got time off again. Where were you last week? And you, you said it earlier, Heather, you know, ordering and receiving is a full time job. Never mind all the other day to day stuff. And it 
you know, at first it was a point of frustration for both Allie and I, like, what do you mean? You, you know, we, we bust our butt day in and day out and you're just thinking we're on vacation, but it's being transparent with your customer and telling them the ins and outs of it. And, you know, how we are ordering for 2023 and 2024 now and walking them through, you know, all of our back orders. And, you know, and I think it really, it's eye-opening. And especially as COVID progressed, you know, you you can't get a dishwasher, you can't get a lawnmower, you know, and, and people are starting to realize that, you know, it's a bigger problem than just bikes or, you know, just the fact that they can't get a new dryer. Yeah, there's a lot of, yeah, I mean, automobiles, right? You go by the yeah. auto store, yeah. the lots are empty. You know, with that, you know, we're rolling into, I'm a New England person too. I'm over here in New York. This is a great time for maybe some projects or remodeling. Is You just said you put in the coffee corner. Is there anything else you're currently working on for the space? Yeah, we um, currently, well, actually worked on, we, one of our first things we did when we took over was re, re plan or redo the floor plans. So the old mentality was that center cash wrap area, that center hub. Um, and it took up prime real estate in the middle of our shop. So we kind of envisioned like, honestly, like an REI, you walk in, bikes are to the right, then you do accessories, you got your camping gear, you got stuff out back, then you come around, you've got nutritionals, and then, you know, ours where our downstairs shop after accessories, that's where the mechanics are. And then you do the cash wrap in the coffee area. You know, if you're waiting for your bike to get, you know, a flat fix or a slight adjustment or whatnot, you can sit over there and it just, it, it made it much more flowing and, you know, we're, we're a lot closer to the customer when they walk in rather than, you know, Hey, how you doing? You're yelling across the shop. It, it just, everybody that walks in, that's been a long time customer is just, wow, this works so much better. I never imagined it like this, but this is incredible. Have you signed up for ride it daily extended service yet? What are you waiting for? It's the extended service plan for your customers that pays you your shop rate for extended service and warranty claims. Rides is only available to NBDA members, and it's only available at NBDA.com. So interesting you brought up the cash and wrap. We were just down in Naples, and one of our store visits, you know, the retailers there brought up the cash and wrap takes up this huge, what, what you said, prime real estate, right? And we're so used to having these big circles or these big rectangles or squares. And really, if you if you re-envision it to maybe even like a rolling workbench with a computer on top, it doesn't, you can save all that space and, and really use it, make it much more usable. I, that's awesome. I can't, I got to come. I got to yeah. come. <laughs> you do. You have to come back down right now. We, we basically, we've turned it into like a, a seasonal highlight display. So right now we have two, we carry uh tax and Wahoo and we've got two dueling smart bikes kind of going back and forth. So both of them are live and you can come in and kind of test both of them out and you walk in and it looks like arcade style. It's really, really, uh, really neat right now. I love that. So you mentioned your fitter, you spoke really highly of him. I want to ask you to tell me about the rest of your, your staff. We have an incredible team. We're really, really lucky. We have just this core group of people that are just like these outstanding human beings. And so when we choose these people, we actually don't hire on like whether you've had any former bike shop experience or anything like that. We look for people who just have 
good energy, have really good values, have this desire to help others. Um, and then from there, we know that we can teach whatever skills that we need to teach. It's always great. You know, we want people who are passionate about cycling, but they don't need to be like this pro. And I think, you know, what we what we try to remember is that every team member is different. So it's trying to kind of meet each team member where they're at and assessing like what their needs are. You know, how do they learn? Because not everybody learns the same way. And just being in tune with those things. We've had a couple team members who have needed like some reinforcement so that they could build their confidence. And it's just being in tune with each person and taking that care within that relationship. It's such a a topic that comes up so often in our retailer conversations. You know, where are we finding good staff? How are we training good team members? How are we motivating and encouraging them? And I love that you say that you that you start with just looking for those core values. Now, were these your your teammates, were they already in place when you purchased the building or have you made adjustments along the way? We had, so there were a couple who were with the shop for a while. Um, and we've since actually, I remember when we made our first hire of our own and how big of a deal it felt. But we've since actually grown our team. So we started out with what? less than 10 and that was people coming from you know prior ownership and then we we grew the team over the summer when we were in the height of the season two we had 20 team members including ourselves which was wild and now we're we're down to i think a core group of we have seven seven not including not including us well, seven includes seven us. including us. Yeah. And then we have two part-timers as well. But we used to, I mean, we used to function on two full-timers and uh, the two previous owners, you know, and it was a lot of weight on not a lot of people. And we didn't, I felt it, you know, and I, I lived it for, you know, years prior to us owning the shop. And that's something that, you know, I, before we even considered it, I had talked to Allie on how like, man, this should be different. Like, this is just a lot. And you'd get to the end of the summer and we're still busy in September and, you know, three quarters of the staff would disappear or it'd turn over year to year and you're constantly teaching. And it takes away from, you know, we call them like, we call them super connectors. Like you have this person in the shop and they remember every customer's name and what they're riding and all this super cool trip that, you know, they had planned. But if you have a super connector and four of the people that know you know, an eighth of what they're supposed to be doing. And they're constantly saying like, you know, Hey, what's this? Hey, what's that? Hey, where is this? You know, how do I do this? That person is pulled beyond capacity. And it really depreciates the whole team as a, as a unit. Cause at that point, no one looks competent, you know, and everybody wants to deal with only that one person. And you have four people that are just kind of standing around at that point. And I mean, that's our reasoning for having all these full-timers. You know, it's really hard to carry those team, you know, the whole team through the winter full-time. But if we can do that, I mean, it's going to it's gonna catapult us, you know, forward. I love that. I, I, I'm so connecting and resonating with everything you're saying. And I'm, I'm just thinking it goes back to your excellence, right? And you're taking, you know, you set up what your mission values are and what your, what your sense of a, a dedicated dynamic team is with their interaction with your community. And these are your guidelines and, and you too are setting them up. But thinking of that and going a little bit further, 
showcasing excellence, you know, in just the past few years, taking over the store, I mean, juggling all these new COVID guidelines, how have you just stepped back and and looked at the overall picture of the shop to best position the shop, you know, to help your riders and community flourish? Really great question. I think it was hard at times, Heather, like we'd have these moments where (laughs) it was like, you felt like you were in the boxing ring and you're getting up and you're just like, what just happened? And it wasn't only us. It was just seeing that across the faces of our team members. And so it was just being introspective enough to say, okay, we need to change something. I've always worried that we're going to lose good people for no fault of their own because of what we've faced for the last year and a half. Because that's been challenging and a lot of people have been just absolutely drained and exhausted. And so because of that, I think both Chris and I felt this fierce protectiveness and responsibility to do right for our team. And that involves assessing the current situation and making changes that, you know, Originally, we thought we were doing the right thing, but now we've realized, you know, maybe that wasn't the right thing. And being able to assess that and make that revision, like you said, pivot. I think the biggest thing, and I'll let Chris speak on this, was our return policy. That was a huge headache for us. It put so much weight on each person every day. And you can take it from there. Yeah, the return policy was a big one, and it was leading to a lot of upset people, upset customers, upset staff members. And, you know, I we joked as a team, like I was the grenade jumper, you know, and someone would be just irate, you know, and they, we had a policy in place where, you know, your deposit can be switched to anything, you know, any other bike, but it's not refundable. And this was prior ownership, and we carried it forward because it worked for us for as long as I was there. And then all of a sudden, dates are getting pushed out. It's not our fault, but it's not the customer's fault either. So, you know, there's obviously with any credit card charge, there's fees involved. But if you, you know, we kind of sat down and we were really real with, you know, our team and just each other and said, if we're upsetting these people to the point where, you know, we're not giving them their money back or eventually we do anyway, and they're just so soured, you know, there's no fixing it, we're going to lose that customer. But if we can give them their money back, Tell them to come back in. And we actually went as far as anybody that we gave a full refund. There's no restocking fee, no deposit fee or anything like that. A full refund. We're actually giving them a $25 gift certificate as well. And that was eye-opening for the customer, our staff, us. I mean, we saw these people like completely surprised. Wait, you're giving me my money back? And $25? Yeah, I've never you know, heard about those before. All right, so someone puts a deposit down on a bike. You yep. can't get the bike for whatever reason. You're giving... It gets pushed from now till June. Okay, and so you get, the bike gets pushed, and so you give them a, their refund back, and then you also give them a $25 gift certificate. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of listeners right now who think we're, we're nuts. And I, and I know that, and that's okay. But I'm telling you right now, it works because the customer is surprised and they're like, wait, you're giving me money right now because because I just took money back from you. But what you're doing is you're making this investment in that customer. You're making them happy and they're going to remember that and they're going to come back into your store. And I think the thing we like to follow up with that gesture is 
hey, we really appreciate you. Thanks for hanging in there. I know it didn't work out the way that we hoped it would. We want you to find that bike. When you do, come back to us. We have parts and accessories. You know, you can accessorize your bike. We'd love to service it for you because that's a big thing in the in the bike industry. Here, constantly, people think that because they didn't buy their bike from you, they can't come to your shop. Yeah. We're like, absolutely not. Like, you come come into our shop. We don't care where you bought your bike. You're riding. That's amazing, and we're gonna get excited with you about that. I love this. I am like, I totally get this. And this is this, uh, you're creating this culture. And I think that's, I don't think, I know that's what blew us away with your Bicycle Retailer Excellence Award is that your answers, you know, there's lots of opportunity. Tell us what's unique. Tell us how you're connecting with your community. And your answers were just, I mean, they were descriptive, they were at length, and they were just, there's so many different levels to the way that you are. And this is a totally unique thing you've done. And and yeah, I'm sure it works because it's got the customer's best interest in mind and and people want to shop where they feel appreciated, you know, this unexpected service. I mean, it was really a game changer when, you know, we started doing that, we saw their reaction. And I would say to customers all the time, like our livelihood Everybody in this building's livelihood depends on selling you a bicycle. And then you're returning with the bicycle and us servicing it. And like we we run a bike shop. We're in a business to, you know, support our lives. And if I can't sell you a bike, that's detrimental to our business. But if you come back next year, you're going to help us in the future. You know, you, and we're going to help you. We're going to make sure to it. And this is how we're going to how we're going to start right now. And that was that was a big game changer. I think you guys are intoxicating. So I'm sure your community is just like loving <laughs> you two at the helm of the local bike shop. But let's let's go there for a second and talk about the community. Now, I know, I think of Mystic as a tourist town. So who is your customer? Is it a seasonal area or? Yeah, you're spot on, Heather. It's, it's definitely a seasonal area, but we do have this really solid core group of like longtime locals who have had roots here for a while. We definitely get, you know, the families who full-time they reside in, you know, New York City, New Haven, Boston, and then they come here because they have secondary residences. However, with COVID, there was this huge shift because we saw those people actually come here, they flee the city and they wanted to stay here full-time. So one kind of unique, I guess, thing that we've faced on a localized level is the fact that we've actually had this influx in our population because of COVID, but it's definitely, I mean, it's a coastal community, it's a tourist destination, but we have a really, really great group of local people that we just love. Yeah, I guess that was going to flow into the next question. I was wondering, you know, and I'm, I'm having a lot of retailers say like in the past two years, our culture is changing. Our community is changing because, you know, it's not just the people who know spandex and that ride every day. It's, it's new people entering our sport. Have you Mm -hmm. noticed that your community, I mean, you already just said you've had new people, but I I hear that you're seeing that too. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's really important to us is that vision. Like when we say cyclist, and I'm going to challenge our listeners to think about this right now, what is the image that pops into their head? Because a lot of us think of, this thin white male who's in spandex. And that's not what a cyclist looks like anymore. And we really need to eradicate that vision. 
And that's really important to Chris and I. I'm a cyclist, but I'm I'm not pro by any means. I like to go out and look around and not focus on going fast. And sure, I can keep up with the 50, 60-year-old hardcore dudes I've been riding for 30 plus years, but that's not what is fun to me when I'm out on my bike. I'm a 30-year-old who's had an e-bike. You know, that's not that's not what people typically think when they hear the word e-bike, but it's just pretty much just kind of like doing away with what those norms were and just showing people like, Hey, this is what it actually looks like. Yeah. I I love that you have an e-bike. I, so I have like ridden an e-bike around a parking lot, but I need to get in. I need to get into the e-bike scene more because everyone I'm speaking to is like, it's for the days where you just need a break, maybe where you went too hard the day before. I mean, there's so many uses and this seems to be a category that's just, you know, so growing right now in our industry. Yeah. Um, just beyond Heather. It's uh, I, I finally for like, you know, probably, probably about two years. I said, I'll get one in a year or two. I'll get one in a year or two. And then eventually I said, it's been a year or two. Let's order one. And I just ordered a full suspension uh, Trek rail. Mm-hmm. And I'm pumped for it. I've got to wait about 400 days for it. That's besides the point. It's on order. It's coming. I can't wait. It's just, it's a different bike. It's not, you know, it, it's far from cheating because I'm not going to go out and do the average like 15 mile ride. I'm going to go out and blast out 40 miles, you know, and as long as you're respectful of other people on the trail, you know, I'm a big, I'm a big advocate. If you ever see horses, you get off your bike, you remove yourself from the trail, you know, and I'm not going to be that, you know, Wahoo going down the trail at 40 miles an hour. Cause that's what a respectable, that's not what a respectable e-bike company produces. And they're just, they're just a blast. I mean, just the, the grin. I know our viewers can't see Allie or I, but we're smirking. I mean, they're just so fun. I, I, I love that. Beyond that, Heather, it's great because we're a husband and a wife, and Chris is a lot faster than me and would take me on. We would always joke and say that he drags me through the dirt. So if you're a husband and wife and you can relate to that, you know, e bikes allow two people to be able to ride together who may not have otherwise been able to do so. And it's afforded us that, and we're both a lot happier when we go out now. So that's really pretty special. I love that you said it's like the, it's like the plus one and the fact that you're willing to, you know, I always tell everyone just because we're in the bicycle industry doesn't mean that we're getting bikes tomorrow. We have to wait too. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's like put it on order and wait. So, okay, let's think, let's talk, let's go back to communication. And that seems to be a topic when we speak of excellence is how retailers are communicating with their customers. You know, we have now people are texting their customers, emailing. How are you letting your customers know like what's happening with supply or maybe that a group ride is coming up? What kind of things are you using to stay in touch? When we took over, we actually, uh, we run our business on a send. It has been a game changer. We were on Microbiz. I don't know if anybody listening has heard of, has, or did have Microbiz, but it was archaic. We had had that system since 93 and it needed to go. So Ascend has opened those doors to text, to email, to keep notes, you know, and really, you know, there's no paper trail. It's an email and text and computerized trail that doesn't disappear, you know, and I mean, the education part of our customers, I'm on the floor fairly often. And I'm 
I'm working through almost every customer, letting them know what is going on, you know, and they're like, oh yeah, shipping containers aren't there or something. And I'm like, the problem's way bigger. Like it's just, everything is, is a block, you know, and, and bicycles, you know, separate a bike, you know, and they're like, oh yeah, there's brakes. I'm like, yeah, but there's gaskets and bushings and cylinders inside those brakes that all come to the brake and then they all go to the bike and then they get in the box. There's so many parts to a bike. So walking a customer through that or walking them through the dates, you know, we we do active training with our crew to, you know, and role play with our crew to walk through a customer on what bikes are coming in, you know, and be that expert to allow them to feel confident in what you're telling them. You know, if you're like, oh, you might be this one or you might be this one. But if you as someone in our bike shop, you know, is educated to do you can say, you know, you're going to be on road, off road. This is your bike. You know, it's the dual sport. It's going to be a great option. You're this size. You know, I have this color and this color coming in on this date. And the customer feels a lot more confident, you know, in you and decision that they are making. So and then beyond that, too, like when a customer puts a deposit on a bike, if it's back ordered, which most times on a nun right now it is, we Initially, we weren't even telling our customers, like we weren't even giving them updates. We basically requested, if you'd like an update on your shipping ETA, please call the shop. Because for a while, it was just, we felt like we were in the weeds and we were just trying to keep our heads above water. But we finally have a system in place that's actually working really well, where we email every customer with a deposit on a bike at the beginning of the month. And it's a courtesy email. We let them know what their current date is. If they have any questions, to please email us back or call us. And in those moments where the, the date gets pushed out and the customer is not thrilled about it, instead of just saying, oh, well, it is the way it is, what we do is we look into our back orders and what may we have that's similar. It might be a different color. It may be a model that's above the current model that they bought, but it's offering them a solution that gets them on that bike sooner. I love that. And I love that you're empowering your staff and your position. And like you said, Chris, the role playing so critical. So when they're working with a customer, they're not stumbling over their words. They're already, they've already been in that situation and they already, you know, know how to address it. So they come across as the experts. We were speaking just a moment ago on e-bikes. Have you, are you witnessing the same growth that other retailers are reported seeing in e-bike sales? Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, we, for the longest time, we were a fairly old school shop. You know, we, we did a bunch of hardtail 29ers and no full suspension bikes, no e-bikes. And early on, we took on Stromer. That has definitely fallen to the wayside. But Trek, Santa Cruz, and Specialized all make phenomenal e-bikes. They're spearheading a lot of the different avenues of being a cyclist through assist. Yeah. Um, and we're seeing that growth exponentially. It's not just, I mean, you know, I, obviously you have the pandemic, but we, we've over doubled our e-bike sales in a year. Uh, I love it. I love more was, people on bikes. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, outside of the e-bike trend, are there any other trends you're noticing in ways that you're just positioning the shop to continue to thrive? Yeah, for sure. People are traveling really far if they can find the bike that they've been searching for. We so our old record was West Virginia. Somebody drove to us in Connecticut from West Virginia. And now that record has been beat because we have a woman flying from Colorado for a bike frame. Wow. 
It's crazy, yeah. right? So they're yeah. finding you via your website and then they're connecting on the phone and that's how that's happening. Yeah. And it's pretty amazing because most people who call us because they've been on our website looking at inventory, they're so skeptical that that bike is actually available because of everything that has been going on in the industry. Our our old website, I'm so embarrassed to even say this, before we took over, our website, you'd get to it and it would say, oops, we flatted. And oops. that was it. And so when we took over, we knew that that was like an immediate thing that we needed to change. And to have a website that shows you actual inventory that we have, that's been such an incredible tool. Yeah. So for our listeners, it's Mystic Cycle Center, center spelled C-E-N-T-R-E dot com. And also to note, you know, we not only had the Bicycle Retailer of Excellence Award, but we also did a People's Choice component this year where local communities voted for their top retailer of choice. And Mystic Cycle Center earned the 2021 People's Choice Retailer of Excellence Award as well. So congrats on that, guys. You know, seasonal destination, I'm wondering, you know, we always talk about how we're navigating clothing in the store. Do you sell shop branded clothing, hats or T-shirts or anything like that? Yeah, we do. We actually just started doing that in the last year as well. We have T-shirts and we have hoodies. And then we also teamed up with our local advocacy groups to create t-shirts for the groups, our bike Stonington and bike Grot, And then they were really kind and put our logo on the back of them for selling them in store. And so we do a lot of that stuff. We're looking to expand our swag kind of merchandise, but we have, we have started offering it and it's, it's been a hit. People love it. Yeah. When someone can walk into the shop and they're from out of town and, they don't necessarily need another bike jersey or maybe they don't like the colors or whatever it is. They can at least buy a T-shirt. You know, our, our crew all wears, you know, our our swag day in and day out. It doesn't say staff on it. It's just MCC brands. You know, I, I, I love my shirts that, you know, don't say I don't have an I don't have a shirt that says owner. You know, I, I like the staff shirts. I like the crew shirts because then we're just part of a team and. The customers really dig the shirts. They're plain. They're simple. They got a big logo on it. And yeah, it's fun to have those. How are you, how are you staying like in tune to, I don't know how to be great business entrepreneurs. Are you into any good books or are you into any groups or how are you keeping afloat with just making sure you're keeping your education forward? Yeah. I mean, we, we both read a little bit. Allie's much more of a reader, but, uh, one that really resonated with me was Turn This Ship Around. It is blanking out on his name, but I will uh, get that for you. But it's just basically how you have this ship. It can be a great ship. It is a great ship, but you know, the you know, there's no direction or anything like that. And it's just it works on processes by David Marquette. That was really instrumental in me early on. I read it probably in October last year. So Ali and I got married in September and then we went away for our you know, short little honeymoon. Um, obviously, those are never long, long enough. I read it right when I got back, and it really helped me get a good foundation of you know what we actually wanted to change, what we needed to change through the winter, and there are different different ways to communicate. It talks about being you know having a leader leader mentality. So even one of our youngest employees, who is a rock star, Nate, he took on certain aspects, and you know it's it's not 
I have this, this, and this for you, Nate. I, you know, what are you working on today, Nate? And he'll debrief me. And at the end of the day, he checks in and says, this, this, and this are done. I started this. Joe took care of this. Do you need anything else from me? Nope. I hope you have an awesome, awesome afternoon, you know, and it really, and that's like, you know, our, not our most entry level because he is, he's been with the shop for almost four years. He's 18, but it just, it really empowers that person, makes you feel valuable and takes a lot of stuff off Allie and I's plate. You know, I like to eat, but there's only so much that we can take on, you know, and it really helps when our team is so competent in different areas to be able to take care of stuff for us. I'm so stoked for you guys. It seems like you have the right people in the right spots. Gosh, is there anything that's making you, I mean, we're going into like, you know, the slower season, I guess the off season. Is there anything that is making you guys nervous right now about being in bicycle retail? I think the thing that I always worry the most about is just our people. So like we have such good people right now and I don't want to lose any of them. And I always worry that there will be something out of our control that may lead them, you know, down a different path. I think that's probably my biggest worry because I don't know, when when you find good people, you want to keep them. And I think that's why it's so important to Chris and I that we take care of the people who take care of us. And it's, you know, creating careers for people in the bike industry and changing what jobs at bike shops have looked like for so long. It's, you know, providing health benefits to these people and then growing their wages as you grow and growing their benefits packages to expand to other things as well. But I just always worry about the things out of our control that wouldn't just devastate us on a personal level, on a professional level, but on a personal level too, because we really do. We love these people and we spend time with them outside of the working day. Yeah. All right. I'm going to ask you a question that, you know, when we came up with this idea for this podcast, I thought it'd be really neat for the first time ever to bring a husband and wife that own a shop together to share their story and working together. So here is the big, the big question, because I know there's other listeners that are, you know, in the same boat. How are you juggling like the work home life and keeping the (laughs) romance and spark alive at the same time? Lines, Heather. (laughs) No, really. I mean, it has been so, so hard. We would be lying to you if we told you that, that this was easy. This was probably the last year and a half was the hardest year and a half of our eight years together. And that's just true. That's honest truth. That I mean, it, there were, you know, early on, it was carrying work with us everywhere and not shutting it off and never going out or, you know, we're, we're both 30, you know, we're both 31 and it was weighing on us in more ways than we can count. And it, you know, it obviously, you know, we talked about dinner table conversations. We had a lot of them and it wasn't just before ownership is after ownership. How do we navigate this? How do we get through this? You know, you were an idiot today. I know I was an idiot today. You know, I, it's not easy spending 24 seven with someone. We have our time away from each other. I, you know, I joke with people, but you can only have so many expensive hobbies, but I like to paddleboard. And that was really instrumental in me kind of getting away and not being around bikes and not being around Allie because she's great. But sometimes I need to like just go and have solo time. And it it was very hard. Yeah, you need, I mean, any relationship to be healthy needs separation. And when you're going from having that to constantly be with each other, it's it's very overwhelming. 
And I think we just had this, we've established our relationship on a foundation of just raw honesty. Like we just haven't always agreed. Let's talk about it. Even if it's not what the other person wants to hear, just say it how you feel. So that was instrumental for us in just, you know, this isn't working and how are we going to, how are we going to make it better? And for, for a little while, I think towards the end of the summer, honestly, we decided, all right, Allie, you know, work from home a few days a week and I would be there on weekends. And then Chris is there kind of being, you know, the contact person at the shop and I was able to get done some of the stuff I needed to, but also we parted ways for the day and then could come back together. Like, like a lot of other couples do normally. I love the raw honesty. It's so it's like, it's easy to say that, but it's hard sometimes to do that, but it's so important, right? It's so important. So I'm going to see you guys at Cab to East. I'm so excited about that. That's coming up December 8th and 9th. You said you're bringing your whole team, your entire team there, right? We are. We're, we're so psyched for it. I think they're super excited too. So it, it's going to be a fun couple of days. I'm so excited. So listen, many time our listeners, you know, especially this episode is really unique in that you are one of the seven platinum retailers of excellence. Sometimes they want to reach out. Something you said might have resonated. They might want to know more about that $25 gift certificate. Awesome concept. Would you share your contact if someone, if another retailer wanted to reach out? Yeah, absolutely. It's either Allison at com or Chris at com And just to keep in mind, center is C-E-N-T-R-E. I don't know why, but that's the way it was when the shop was formed. And uh, I guess it keeps the spam down. That's the thing of our branding, though. I love that. I'm so thankful that you made time today. I know our schedules have been just crazy. We've been trying to plan this for a while now. It was so nice to connect with both of you. Thank you for your support of the MBDA, of sharing your excellence with other retailers. And I hope that I can see you. Maybe hopefully we'll get out to the Big Gear show again this year. Yeah, so that is it. I invite you to connect with me. Come on Bicycle Retail Radio. Share your story with our listeners. The MBDA has been around since 1946, celebrating 75 years this year. If you'd like to join the MBDA, you can do so on our website, mbda.com. If you'd like to support the show, don't forget to subscribe. Share your favorite episode with friends. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Allie and Chris. You guys are rock stars. Thanks, Heather. Thank you so much, Heather. Thanks for all that you do. Thank you. All right. And with this, we go. Have a great one. Thank you. This has been Bicycle Retail Radio by the National Bicycle Dealers Association. For more information on membership and member benefits, join us at nbda.com. Thank you.